Hey, good morning. My name is Daniel. I'm the pastor here at Plaza. And just want to thank you for joining us today as we get ready to dive into God's Word. Uh, we always love to remind people to grab a copy of the Word of God, the Bible, if you have one there where you're watching. Uh, if not, then use the, the, the little swipe feature on our website. It's got a Bible right underneath there with the notes section as well. And love for you to be able to dig into God's Word yourself to see the Word of God, not just hear what a preacher has to say, but actually see the words for yourself. And so as we uh, get ready to uh, start the message portion of our service, just want to welcome all those who are first-time guests. If this is your very first time here, we're delighted that you have uh, chosen to watch and hang out with us. Love for you to reach out to us. Um, and you can even text us, text our office, and uh, you just text the word CONNECT uh, right there on your mobile device, CONNECT to 757 239 3993 and we'd love to uh, just get to know you better not going to spam you or anything like that but just gives us a way to connect you can learn more about our church how you can get involved and uh, determine if this is uh, the right place for you or if you have a prayer request for anybody uh, love for you to text the word pray p-r-a-y to that same number 757-239-3993 and a great way that we love uh, communicating with people and rolling out some new features for the rest of our church soon we are in this series called Abide, This is the Way. Uh, the title of this message is Prayer, This is the Way. And the text we're going to be in uh, is Matthew chapter 6, a very familiar passage to many people. And so if you haven't already turned there, again, love for you to find the gospel of Matthew chapter 6. And uh, what is the gospel, you may ask? The gospel is the biographies of Jesus. There are four in the New Testament, Matthew Mark, Luke, and John, and they tell the, the, the teachings and the life of Jesus. And uh, so we're going to look at Matthew's gospel here in just a moment. And uh, we're kind of doing this play on words from This Is The Way from a movie called The Mandalorian. And um, even if you're not familiar with The Mandalorian at all, have no clue, don't care about it, there are some interesting parallels, I think, because I always find parallels to God anywhere I am in the world. And, um, and basically, there is this guy, we'll show you a couple of pictures here uh, of this guy. This guy is called a Mandalorian. This is a character from Star Wars. He's protecting this little baby Yoda, who has a name, but if you haven't watched all the series yet, I won't say his name yet. And, um, and so he's tasked with this. But as a Mandalorian, he is from the planet Mandalore, and he has this code uh, in fact, the Mandalorians, one of um, their leaders came up with one of the codes um, because the Mandalorians before were known as these vicious, ruthless warriors. And, um, and so they came up with these different Mandalorian codes that they would live by, their creeds that they would live by. Uh, one of those had to deal with honor and, and the way you do battle and you do it in an honorable way. In fact, I want to show you this next picture here. This was actually in the series here. This is the Mandalorian, and uh, he was uh, helping out uh, some people on this one planet, and uh, he had to fight this giant mud horn. Looks like a humongous rhinoceros. And this giant mud horn was basically tearing the Mandalorian apart. I mean, just whooping his tail, if you know what I mean, right? And he has beaten him up, and he has this armor, and the Mandalorian's armor is very pr pricey, very important to them. Uh, part of their code, again, this is the way uh, that their, their armor can only be wear worn by Mandalorians, uh, depending on, you know, uh, what code they follow. But um, his armor just gets all torn up, and he is trying to kill this mudhorn to protect these people. Uh, but uh, the mudhorn is just winning the fight, and he is about to ram him and finish him. And, and as um, the, the scene kind of ends here, the mudhorn is about to attack and just finish him and take that humongous horn, and bam! Well, then little baby Yoda actually uses his force power and lifts up the mud horn, as you can see there in the air, and, uh, and he's suspended in the air and allows the Mandalorian to win the fight. And, um, and so the episode ends and everybody's happy, yay, and everybody rejoices. And why do I tell you that? Well, because um, when uh, he goes back to his Mandalorian people, um, they ask him, hey, what tore up your armor? And um, he had actually gotten some money for some new armor. And they said, you know, what, what battle did you win this in? And, um, and he says, well... Um, I, I won the battle, but, but I didn't win honorably. I won the battle, but I didn't win 
honorably. And uh, because in the Mandalorian way, you have to win a battle in an honorable way. And if, and if someone else helps you, it's considered a, uh, a not honorable win. And so these are different codes that these guys have by them. You say, Pastor, why are you telling me about this? This is the way thing. Well, because in the Bible, before people were called Christians, the early followers of Christ were called followers of the way. Followers of the way. And um, why were they called followers of the way? Because they followed the ways of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus. And so as these followers of Jesus were called followers of the way, there was a way in which they lived and breathed and acted. They had a code, a creed that they lived by. And it wasn't the code of the Romans. It wasn't the code of the Jews. It wasn't the code of what was popular in that day. It was a very different way of living. It was called kingdom living, the ways of the kingdom. It was, it was really the ways of Jesus. And, and, and God sent Jesus to pay for our sins but God also sent Jesus uh, as really what I like to call humanity 2.0 to show us what being human really should be like. And so Jesus is the ultimate picture of what being human is like. And so humanity 2.0 is, is Jesus. And so we are looking at these ways called abide. This is the way. And, and what we're reminding ourselves is, is this imagery of abiding or resting or living or dwelling, right? That word abide there. You may have heard the word like uh, when you welcome someone to your house, you say, welcome to my humble abode, right? That's similar to that word abide. It's where you live. It's where you dwell. It's where you stay. And Jesus gives us this imagery of abiding. And he says, look, you are like a branch and I'm like the vine. And he's given this imagery of grapevines. And, um, and along uh, the, the strength of everything is all about the vine. And there are branches that come off and those branches bear fruit. Or our modern parallel, which is probably more accurate to most of us, is like Jesus is the trunk and the roots of the tree. And we are the branches of the tree. And, um, uh, you know, we would grow acorns or something like that, right? And, um, and so he's saying, listen, as a branch has to stay connected to the trunk of the tree, Christians, the way that we live is by staying connected or abiding in Christ. And if we try to get away from the, the tree trunk, we're, we're not going to live. We're, we're not going to survive. We're not going to have power and energy to do what we were created to do to, um, to achieve the purpose for which God put you here, the purpose where he put me here. We're not going to be able to achieve our destiny if we get detached from the vine or from the trunk of the tree. And so we take this time in January to remind ourselves, are we abiding? And, and we started really the first two weeks with abiding in the scriptures, making sure we have time daily for God by reading the Bible, by uh, studying the Bible, by memorizing, meditating on it, and most importantly, applying it or living out the Bible. And that's what we talked about last week. And so I hope that you uh, have made that part of your habit and, and have really um, adjusted that and, and see to it that every day you find some way, some tool. We have memory verses that we do. Uh, we have some great devotional little booklets you could use. There are a million things online that you could use. The point is not how much do you read, uh, not that you become some great Bible scholars, but every day you abide and spend time with God. And so this week we're talking about abide prayer. This is the way. So I want you to put that in the chat. If you're watching this, put prayer. This is the way. Prayer. This is the way. This is one of the key ways that we abide with God is through prayer. And prayer is talking and communicating with God, where we bear our heart to God, where we, where we listen to God and we, and we ask him questions and we bring our concerns to God. And so prayer is as simple as talking to him, just as you would talk to a friend, just as you would talk to a family member, prayer is talking to God. And so um, I want to start, actually, uh, especially given all that we have been through as a nation, uh, just these past several weeks, been all kinds of crazy things going on in the United States of America, especially, um, you know, uh, with our government and the politics. It has been wild. And 2020 was a wild year. And we thought maybe 2021 would be better. And it has proved to be uh, just as crazy, perhaps. But I want to share with you a prayer that someone prayed that I think uh, is so powerful. And I wanted to share it and, and see if you can determine who said this and when they said it. So we'll put this prayer on the screen. It says this. Listen to this prayer. It says, Most gracious and all-wise God, before whose face the generations rise and fall, thou in whom we live and move and have our being, we thank thee for all thy good and gracious gifts for life 
and for health, for food and for raiment, for the beauties of nature and human nature. We come before thee painfully aware of our inadequacies and shortcomings. We realize that we stand surrounded with the mountains of love, and yet we deliberately dwell in the valley of hate. Man, can I just read that one again? Wow. We, 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 we stand, right? We realize that we stand surrounded with the mountains of love, and we deliberately dwell in the valley of hate. Wow, that's convicting. We stand amid the forces of truth, and we deliberately lie. That's good stuff there. We are forever offered the high road, and yet we choose to travel the low road. For these sins, oh God, forgive. Break the spell of that which blinds our minds. Purify our hearts that we may see thee, O God. In these turbulent days when fear and doubt are mounting high, give us broad visions, penetrating eyes, and power of endurance. Oh, how we need some endurance, especially if 2021 is going to be anything like 2020. We need some endurance, amen? Then he goes on to say this, help us to work with renewed vigor for a warless world, for a better distribution of wealth, and for a brother and sisterhood that transcends race and color. In the name and the spirit of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Not sure if you are able to guess who prayed this prayer or what or when it was prayed. It was prayed in the 1960s, and it was prayed by Martin Luther King Jr., who this week or, or Monday, really, we celebrate uh, his birthday and remember his legacy and the biblical truths upon which he stood upon to fight uh, in our nation. And, um, and, and as, as we think about all that we've faced this past year, we've faced a lot with COVID, with uh, the reckoning and dealing with the, the still systemic racism. We're dealing with political uh, discord and drama uh, still right now in 2021. And man, don't we need prayers like this? I heard and I've heard many people kind of compare what we lived through uh, in, in, in this past year and even now with the, uh, the divisiveness and, and all the things that we've experienced from a worldwide pandemic to the racial unrest to, um, you know, weather events, uh, very similar to some things that were going on in the 1960s. And of course, I wasn't alive during those times, but as I've spoken with elder generations and, and have heard other people talk, uh, they, they've made some parallels. Uh, but here is the inter- interesting parallel that I've noticed that is absent from our current issues. One of the parallels that is absent from what's going on in our political sphere and our national sphere and really our worldwide uh, audience is that there is very little talk about God. There is very little talk about Jesus. There's very little talk about the hope of the scriptures. There are no national leaders in America stepping up and saying, listen, America, we've got a virus going on. We have racial discord. We have political drama going on, and we need to pray. I mean, where are, where are the, the pastoral and spiritual leaders of America standing up? Instead of arguing about elections, instead of uh, talking about masks or uh, their supposed scientific uh, you know, opinions, where are the people that are saying, listen, if America would repent, if, if America would turn from their sins, just like this prayer here that, that Dr. King had prayed. I mean, he, he, he said things like this. We come before thee painfully aware, painfully aware of our own inadequacies and shortcomings. He prayed things like we realize we stand surrounded by the mountains of love and we deliberately dwell in the valley of hate. And he says, forgive us and increase in us purity. Man, that's the kind of stuff we need in our world today. And that's what's missing. And, uh, and as I've, I've read through and studied uh, even just this week some of uh, the civil rights moments and, and man, what was different versus now and then is that they were prayer rallies. Now, now we're having rallies that storm Capitol buildings, right? Now we're having, uh, and, and we had all kinds of, uh, you know, uh, protests during the summer as well. And, and some of those turned violent. And, um, and where were the prayer rallies? And thank God, there were some that happened here. We participated in one. Uh, in fact, there are some churches getting together tomorrow. I just received an email uh, from churches committing tomorrow as a day of prayer. 
And so uh, I want to acknowledge that, but I want to challenge us that we would be people of, of prayer, that we wouldn't just kind of point fingers at the rest of the nation and the rest of the leaders and say, why aren't you praying? But we would set the example ourselves and be people of prayer. And this is really what the text here is about. And I want to share again uh, another quote um, that as we talk about prayer um, from Dr. King, and uh, he said this, he said, one of the great tragedies of life, one of the great tragedies of life is that men seldom bridge the gulf between practice and profession, between doing and saying. And um, I just want to hang out on that quote there for a second, right, is that we seldom bridge the gulf, meaning there is a great divide between what we practice and what we preach. You've heard that before? Right, what we practice and what we preach. And a lot of us will talk about prayer. How many of us really practice prayer? How many of us really have a regular prayer life? Can I ask you that question? The Lord has been asking me that question. How is your prayer life? Honestly, right? Honestly. Yes, we pray at meals, right? My family prays at meals. Your family may pray at meals. Uh, you, you may toss the Lord a quick prayer uh, somewhere around midday or a th- a quick thank you, Lord, for an accident uh, avoidance on the highway. And then maybe you kiss the Lord goodnight, you know, just like, thank you, Lord. I lay my head on the bed here and, and, and boom. And those are wonderful. And you should be doing those things. But how many of us actually have a set aside time of prayer? I know people all tell me, Pastor, I pray all day. And you should pray all day. In fact, the Bible says we should pray without ceasing. We should be abiding in prayer, talking to God as we work as, as we school our children virtually or homeschool or uh, as, as we mop floors and take orders and, and uh, code and do computer work, as we make phone calls, we should be praying all the time. Yes, but how many of us also have a dedicated time of prayer, which the scriptures remind us of, which Jesus we find going away, peeling away to abide and to have a quiet hour of prayer, a quiet time of prayer. This is the way, prayer and having a dedicated time of prayer for the believer. Another Dr. King quote, he said this, to be a Christian without prayer, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Ooh, man, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. In other words, prayer should be our very life source, right? If you don't, if you, if you stop breathing, right, we just got back from a little trip. We were over in Williamsburg this week, and, uh, you know, we're driving through the tunnel. Praise God for all the tunnels we have around here. It's really a, a, a modern marvel to see these things, and it's fun when you have kids on the kids like, are we really underwater? And we always play this game where the kids are like, hold your breath till we get through the tunnel. I don't know. It's just something weird we do, and, um, you know, but imagine if you really had to hold your breath for that long, right? What would happen? You would pass out, and uh, luckily, God designed your body to kickstart itself back again, uh, but Man, to go without breathing is a big deal. And he's saying to go without prayer is a big deal. You can't be a Christian and go without prayer. And so, sir or ma'am, let me again ask you honestly, like not just again the perfunctory prayers, but have you had a conversation with God recently? Like an in-depth conversation, not a quick, I toss them here, I toss them there. Not, God, I need this, I need this, right? Many of us treat prayer like Uh, A wish list, right? Like a Cinderella. Uh, I got three wishes for the fairy godmothers or like an Aladdin, you know, rub the genie, um, rub the lamp and hope the genie comes out. And and we we think we're praying because we ask God for a list of something. But listen, if your neighbor or your spouse or your best friend, the only time they contacted you was when they needed something, what would you think about that relationship? Right? God desires an intimate conversation with you all day long, but, but he loves for you to sit down with them, to, to carve out some time. And this is the truth. I heard uh, one pastor say, John Piper, uh, when he talked about setting aside a time of prayer, planning out a time of prayer and setting aside that in your day, building it into your schedule and setting aside, again, maybe it's just five minutes, maybe it's two minutes, maybe it's 30 minutes. I don't know how long it's going to be for you what the Lord is calling you to do, but setting aside some time to really pray and, and converse with God as, as a plan, as a duty. And he said, you know, some people think it's, it's uh, legalistic and it's a duty. And uh, John Piper says, yes, it is a duty to pray. This is the way as a Christian. He said, but, but prayer is a duty in the same way 
that for a scuba diver to put on his breathing apparatus and oxygen tank is a duty. He said prayer is a duty in the same way that pilots listen to the air traffic controllers before they take off or land. That is the same kind of duty. He says it is a duty the way soldiers would clean and take care and load their rifles before war. It is a duty. Prayer is a duty. It is a duty the same way that hungry people search for and eat their food. It is a duty the way uh, thirsty people look for some Gatorade or something to drink. It is a duty in the same way that a deaf man looks for and puts on his hearing aids. It is a duty, prayer is a duty, in the same way that a diabetic takes his insulin. Prayer is a duty in the same way that Pooh Bear looks for honey. I love that one. It is a duty in the way that pirates... Jack Sparrow looked for gold. It is a duty in the same way, right, that all of these things are necessary, but they're necessary for life. Can I just say that if you are a Christian, you claim the name of Christ, prayer is necessary. You need to abide. I need to abide with God in a daily time of prayer. Yes, throughout the day, absolutely. Both are important. It needs to be done. And so how is your prayer life? That's the question, seriously. Not just saying hi to God and a passing quick, thank you, Lord, thank you. Those are great. Keep those up. But I want us to concentrate on setting aside, again, one minute, two minutes. And this is great to add to your time of Bible reading. Using the Our Daily Bread devotional, memorizing some scripture, take a few minutes to pray. And the text that we have before us really gives us what I like to call a loose outline of prayer. Uh, it gives us, for those who don't know how to pray, because a lot of times they're like, Pastor, I don't really know how to pray. And I would just simply say, if you know how to talk to someone, you know how to talk to God. Uh, but, but I also see that Jesus gave us a good, loose structure to follow. Why a loose structure? Why use that term? Because I know this, if it's just way too loose, I, you know, my mind will wander, your mind will wander, and, and we'll probably get in a rut and we'll pray the same things over and over again. Then you get tired of it and like, this is boring. Right? But a loose structure gives us a focus, and, uh, but then it gives us uh, freedom to be able to be who we are in our time with God, in our time of prayer. So regular, disciplined prayer. And so I want to go to our text here, and uh, we're going to look at Matthew 6, and we're going to look at the first couple verses here. In fact, one of the other gospel writers, Luke, when talking about this passage, uh, the, the disciples actually ask before this passage, they say, Lord, teach us to pray. And so this, this uh, prayer that, again, is very familiar to many people is actually coming as a response to the disciples saying, we want to learn how to pray better. And so if you want to learn how to pay, pray better, and again, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, we're all needing to improve. And I believe this little outline here will help you, it'll help me, give us a loose structure for prayer. And we're going to think of sort of these big key ideas in here. And so let's look at the text here, verses 5 through 6, and we'll put them on the screen. Notice this in verses 5 and 6, he says this, and when you pray, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners. I just want to notice a little word there. He says this, notice he says, when you pray, when you pray, he doesn't say if you pray, right? Remember, this is like breathing, right? When you pray, Jesus is assuming and knowing, abiding through prayer. This is the way that a Christian lives. When you pray, not if you pray. When you pray, don't do it like the hypocrites do. Check your motives, right? And uh, and this can happen in churches. This can happen in families where somebody wants to pray to be the center of attention. That's not the point of prayer. Jesus says, if you pray to be the center of attention, you pray to be heard by men, you missed The point, these guys were standing on the street corners in the middle of the synagogues saying, look at me, listen to me pray. Aren't my prayers better than everyone else's? And if that's what you uh, pray for, then you have missed it. He goes on, right? The rest of the verse there, he continues, says this, truly I say they have received the reward, verse six. But when you pray, go into your room, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, some people say, do I have to go into a room and and close the door in in order to pray correctly? No, no. What God is saying here is like, get away where you can concentrate and not be distracted. And and for us in 2021, this may mean, look, your phone needs to go on silent, needs to go on airplane mode. You got to put that bad boy away because, man, it'll bing and buzz and something new will pop up and it will distract you, right? We, We need to get away 
and shut the door. We, we need to be away from people so we're not concerned. If, if we want to lay out on the floor or get on our knees or sit in a chair, I, I heard one old preacher say he would, he would put another chair in his room and he would sit across in that chair and act like he was having a conversation with God. Now, obviously, if you do that and your family member comes walk in and see you talking to a chair with nobody sitting there, they're going to think you're a little bit nutso and they might have you committed to a hospital. Um, and, and so that's why he's saying, look, shut the door so you can just be free to be yourself and not have to worry about somebody coming in and be like, why are you talking to an empty chair, Dad? And, uh, and again, you could explain, hey, look, I'm praying and it just helps me to picture Jesus sitting right there. That's, that's fine. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying when you shut the door, you have that privacy where you and God can be alone together and have that conversation. He goes on, right? Verse uh, 7 says this. And when you pray, again, when you pray, not if you pray. This is the third when you pray in this little uh, outline here. When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, verse 8 says. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. What does this mean here? Just this reminder is that especially in Jesus' day, there would be people who would repeat words and repeat words and repeat words, thinking that if they repeated the right words over and over again, they would please the God they were trying to get the attention of. And Jesus says, look, this, this repetition of words, thinking that the words are magic and will be some kind of incantation or spell to unlock the code to get God to listen to you, that's not how my father works. He said it's, it's about a relationship, right? It's about a relationship. Prayer is a conversation, not a ceremony. Prayer is a relationship, not a ritual. And so you don't have to just get all the words all right and, and specific and all that. So, and don't just keep repeating words. Now, some people say, well, pastor, you know, I'm not supposed to pray for the same thing over and over again. No, no, you can. What, what this idea has is, is re- repetitive phrases or words here. Uh, the word in Greek would, would go on to be, you know, like this uh, babbling, you know, and, um, and using these vain repetitions is another way uh, to put it. Who, people think they'll be heard for their many words. No, you can keep it short and sweet. Uh, God is not impressed with your many words. And so these are sort of just some outlines at the beginning before we get into this, again, passage that is very familiar. And what's ironic about the next set of verses is that this set of verses has been memorized by many Christians and by many churches and often taught as a prayer to repeat without any heartfelt feeling, without any heartfelt conversation. And, uh, and, and notice um, in, in the words here, he says, pray then, um, verse 9, look at verse 9. He says, pray then, pray then, in verse 9, pray then like this, like this. He doesn't say pray this exactly, right? And, and some denominations, and this happens all across denominations, and um, many churches and uh, teach kids to repeat this prayer. And there's nothing long, wrong with learning it, memorizing it. In fact, it's great to have it committed to memory. I praise God for that. But listen, just repeating this aimlessly does not, engage you in a conversation with God. It helps give you a loose structure. And so let me give you the first part of this loose structure that gives you some balance between freedom and, you know, um, structure and discipline. And so this first part, if you're taking notes, we're not going to put this on the screen, but the first sort of block, right, that you could put is father. The first idea, the first big concept in your loose structure is just father, father, right? Our father, our father. Who are you praying to? The Bible's reminded us here that we're praying to Father. And, and it's this picture of a relationship, uh, of a connection with a Father. And, and we are, man, told to be reminded of that. Take a moment when you pray to think about God as your perfect Father, with good intentions towards you, with love and warmth towards you. You might want to imagine God as your Father in your mind's eye. Picture His face. Make eye contact with Him. Like I said, set out a chair. Right? But God as your father. Now, listen, I have to, of course, point out that there are many people that even the idea of God as father brings up many painful memories. I, I thank God that I have a great relationship with my dad, uh, but I know that's not true for everybody. There, there are some people to, to picture God as father is extremely hurtful based upon how you grew up. And, and listen, I just want to take some time to acknowledge that. I don't know what that's like in all the ins and outs of it. Um, and listen, that's going to be something you have to work through. And I would encourage you to work through with the Lord, uh, with counseling. Lo- love to talk to you. Again, if, if that's a prayer request, text pray, you know, uh, pray to 757, right? 
3993. And uh, we'd love to pray for you because that, that is obviously going to impede your relationship with God. Um, but, but listen, Jesus was not shy to this. Jesus was not, um, you know, uh, under this false impression that all fathers were good and perfect. Uh, but nonetheless, he gave us this picture here, this analogy. In fact, uh, later on in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 7, and we'll put this on the screen here, Jesus gives us this beautiful, again, another picture of prayer and how we talk to God. And listen to the analogy that Jesus uses here with children and fathers. I love this, and I love his uh, just uh, uh, immense genius here. Matthew 7, uh, verses 8 through 11 says this, For everyone who asks, receives. He's talking about prayer. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Verse 9, or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Nobody would do that, right? Unless it was a practical joke, right? But if your kid asked you for some bread and you gave them some stone, right? You gave them a stone sandwich, not stone soup. Just put a rock on the kitchen table and a plate with some, with some mayonnaise on it, right? You wouldn't do that. That'd be messed up. He says, you wouldn't do that. And then verse 10, or if he asked for a fish, would give him a serpent, right? You wouldn't put no snake out on the table there when you're preparing some fish sticks in the oven, right? You wouldn't do that. And he says this, watch this. If you then, verse 11, if you then who are what? Evil, Jesus is acknowledging that all humans compared to God are evil. We are all sinful and fallen creatures. All of us are in a fallen state. If you who are evil then know how to give good gifts to your children, watch, watch the verse here, how much more, how much, what, say it? More, how much more will your father, again, there's the word, will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say here, Jesus acknowledges that, listen, all human fathers at their core are evil and, and sinful. Now listen, there are degrees of which fathers are good, which ones know the Lord and walk with them, and there are degrees which some fathers are just horrific to their children, but all of them are evil. And, and you can think about a father or a, any, any parent for that matter, giving, right, you know, no, no one has received gifts like this, right? No, no children, I think, got a, a poisonous snake or just a stone, right? Now you threaten to give some kids coal if they still do that anymore, um, you know, at, at Christmas. But nobody's actually ever done that. And, um, and he says, listen, if, if you who are evil know how to give good, how much more will your father in heaven? So whatever your picture of father is, take it and explode it by infinity and magnify it even more. So the first thing we, we come to is, Man, we know that God is our Father. We are His children. We are under His care. He loves us in the same way that He loves Jesus uh, because we are covered underneath the, the blood of Jesus. And every Christian, when, when, when Jesus looks at, at me, He doesn't see my sin. He sees the righteousness of Christ. Even though I've done all kinds of wrong, He sees the righteousness of Christ. So the first thing, first big block here is our Father, right? And then still in verse 9, right, we, we notice this, our Father and in, in, in where? In heaven. Our Father in heaven. Our Father, you may remember, our, our Father who art in heaven, right? And all the kids are like, who is art? Is art God's name? You know, I thought that's what they were saying. Right, our Father in heaven. This is his location. And what does this mean? This means that, listen, our Father's in charge. He rules and he reigns. There is nothing that has happened on the earth. There's no election. Uh, there, there is no virus. There is no car accident. There is no cancer. There, there is no uh, relationship issue. There is no hopelessness that has happened that God is unaware of. Your exam that is stressing you out, your, your concern for your loved one, God knows he's in heaven and he rules and reigns supreme. But another interesting point here is that the word heaven in the Bible is used often for the heavens and right the dwelling place of God. But it's also used for the air, the air. And, um, and this, I think, is just an incredible reminder that our Father who, who's in heaven, but just as we reminded that, that uh, at Christmas just a few weeks ago that Jesus Christ became Emmanuel, God with us, we're reminded that God is in the air. <sighs> Again, back to that breathing and how important that is. <sighs> And God is nearer to us even than our own breath. God is right there in the midst of the difficulties. God is right there. He's present. He's not this guy like far away, way off in heaven over there. No, no, no. God is intimate and near, closer than your. So we think about our Father who art in heaven, our Father in heaven. And we think about heaven. It's, 
It's, it's in the air. God is right here. He is present with us. And so I want to encourage you with that. So that's the second block. So the first block is our Father. The second block is in heaven, His location. He's reigning, He's ruling, but He is close. Then the, the third block I want you to think about is, hallowed be your name. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, what does hallowed mean? Hallowed means holy or special, set apart the name of God. God, your name is holy. There's no one like you. There, I mean, look at the universe. You created this. There, there is no equal to you. There, there is no rival. There is no one as uh, just amazing. And uh, we are awestruck by you. And God, your name is holy. It is perfect. He's compassionate. He's consistent. He's caring. He's close. And he's competent. Can I just read those to you again, those C's? He's compassionate. He's consistent. He's caring. God is competent. He knows what he's doing. Throughout the Bible, we see different names of God. He goes by these different names. One, one of the names is just Abba, which means daddy, intimate, like daddy, 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 like a little kid running up and squeezing your neck. And that's the kind of picture God wants us to have with them. Abba, Father, your loving Father. Or El Shaddai, right? Uh, Jehovah Rapha. And, and these are different Hebrew and Greek names, right? But Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals you. El Shaddai means God Almighty with all the power you need. And I need Jehovah Jireh, which means the God who provides for me. Jehovah is his name. Jireh means he provides. Or Jehovah Shalom, God who is our peace. Or Jehovah Sedeku, which means God is our righteousness, our covering, our banner, our strength. And so all prayer is really based upon how much we know of God. And in fact, that's why reading the scriptures is so important because the more you know about God, man, the deeper your prayer is going to be. It's God reveals himself to you through the word. And then when we sit with him in prayer. Okay, and so as we pray, we're using again this outline. And, and so let me just show you how I would use this. In fact, I, I used it with it just this morning. And I was praying for many of you, those who are in our church family. And, um, and, and I would say things like this as I'm praying for just some church members and people in my life. And I'm covering their names. I'm saying, Lord, bless such and such and bless them. And, uh, and I'm saying, Father, may, may they know you as Father. May they know they're a child of God. May they just be overwhelmed with the sense that you are their Father and you're taking care of them, right? And so I'm saying, our Father. And then in heaven, and I'm saying, God, may they know that you reign. God, may you know that, um, that Bill and Dottie, may they know that you reign. May they know that you're so close to them. And then I'll go on to the next thing. Again, just to give me some structure um, and to give me some freedom. And God, uh, your name is holy. May, may, may they know you as holy. May they know you uh, and, and all of your character. God, may they live holy lives. May they be set apart. Hallowed be your name. And so I just use the word of God. I just use the Lord's Prayer as a, as a, a loose outline. I don't just repeat it aimlessly. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, blah, 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 blah. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. No, I, I use it to kind of give me a launching pad to pray for specific things. And so we have the first sort of three blocks here, just thinking about hallowed or holy being God's name, right? And just maybe that just means uh, spending a few minutes in silence, right? Sitting quietly before God, right? Sitting joyfully grateful for, for his power, thinking about all the things that he's created. Sit in silence, you may even want to sing something or just be amazed at, man, God is set apart. Hallowed is your name. Heard the story by pastor and author Max Lucado, who is taking his family, including his mother, on a trip to um, Iguaza Falls in Brazil. And Iguaza Falls is one of the largest waterfalls in the world. In fact, the way they measure waterfalls is all weird, that sort of stuff. But it is twice as large as Niagara Falls, if you can imagine that massive waterfalls, multiple waterfalls, and it is just amazing. And as uh, Max was leading his family, hiking up the mountain there with his mom and his family, he was, you know, because he was a missionary actually in Brazil for many years before he was a pastor, and he was, you know, his mom's first time there and his family member's first time there, and he was all proud to say yes, and, and the falls do this, and he was giving them uh, uh, lessons in Brazilian biology. And, um, but he had to, as, as they continued, he had to keep raising his voice and talking louder, because there was just this loud noise all around them. And he thought, whatever that noise is, man, I wish somebody would shut it off because it's interrupting my speech. I'm trying to impress my family as I'm hiking here and walking. And, um, and so uh, he, they reached a clearing where there were some trees. And then all of a sudden he realized that that noise that he was trying to talk over was the falls 
itself. And his words were drowned out by the fury and the majesty and the force of what he was trying to describe. His words were trying to describe it. But now that they were in the presence of it, oh man, it was way better to be silent. And sometimes silence, even in our prayer time, is best. Let me encourage you to use silence. Even if he could be heard, he no longer had an audience. His family, his own mama didn't care what he had to say. She was amazed and in awe of those falls. I mean, she was just like, there is no words that can describe this. And so sometimes silence represents the highest respect. And to speak would violate the beauty and, and, and the sacredness of the moment. So it's okay to be quiet, even as you think about God holy is your name. I'm just going to think about that. It's okay. We have these first three blocks. Let me give you the, the next block as we go on to the next part of the verse, verse 10, right? Verse 10 says this, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the next block. And again, you just might want to spend a few minutes asking for God's will to be done. God, may your will be done in uh, Miss Jerry's life right? Uh, May your will be done in Jerry's life. Help her to do your will. Uh, God, help her um, to accomplish your will, but God, most importantly, just allow her that whatever she's going through, uh, may she be receptive of your will. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And and, and this is, you know, um, praying for our city. God, may your will be done in Virginia Beach. God, may your will be done in our church. Father, may your will be done in the United States of America, right? Oh, how we need to pray that. Amen. May your will be done. That's the fourth block. And then the fifth block is this. Give us this day. Give us this day our daily bread. And this is typically where most of us spend our time praying. And uh, and notice that we've covered a lot of ground here um, in our prayer time. And it's okay to ask for things. And so when I said, you know, the wish list, like we're talking to Santa or, you know, Cinderella with the the fairy godmother, you know, and, and we're saying, God, I need, I need, I need. It's okay to be able to say and bring that. So I'm not saying don't ever bring that. Just making sure our prayers are well-rounded. And so, listen, it's okay to bring to God your daily needs. Notice the focus on the word there, daily, your daily bread. Ask him for what you need today, right? Ask him for what you need today, this day. And, and the idea of bread here is, is like bread is this kind of this universal symbol of what we need, daily sustenance. And so, listen, represents everything you need. You need wisdom today. You might need healing today. Uh, you might need intelligence for a decision. You might need a financial uh, situation going on. You need some help with your finances. You might need some encouragement. God, I need some encouragement. God, I need some clarity, right? And that's part of the daily bread here. Someone once asked this question. He said, would you rather have a warehouse full of bread? Would you rather have a warehouse full of bread or a rich and generous father who is a bread maker? What would you rather have? Oh, we need to be reminded again with the character of God. Holy is his name, that he is our father, that he is a rich and generous bread maker and he supplies our needs. And we have to focus simply on the daily needs and he he has all that we need and he can make more not just trying to store up a warehouse right and um we just focus on what we need today you have no idea god's power and his ability don't be embarrassed ask for anything that you need so spend some time in your prayer time going over specific needs that you have god i need this and again i think all of us are probably very good at this and i don't want you to ever think that's wrong just don't make that the only thing you bring to God in your conversation. And so ask him for the specific needs in your life. Heard Adrian Rogers once tell a story about an orange farmer that he uh, worked with in college. He said, man, this man would give him uh, sea bags. If you're familiar, um, we live here in a Navy town. And so I think most people are familiar with a Navy sea bag, a large, usually canvas bag, sometimes almost up to my hip. I'm just, and he would give him two or three sea bags full of oranges and would send them back to his college dorm where he lived. And, um, and, uh, and, and then he was staying actually, um, you know, uh, at, at, at an apartment. And, um, and in that apartment, he was on someone else's property and he saw this boy, you know, um, sneak over and um, over the fence. And on this property, there was what uh, he called a sour orange tree. And he said, sour oranges are nasty things to eat. I mean, so uh, just, um, man, just ah, make, make your face all swell up. He said it would give you lockjaw, right? Just one bite is so sour, give you lockjaw, not fit for man nor beast to eat. 
And he said he watched this little boy climb over and steal one of these sour oranges. And the boy bit into it and was just like, ah. And he said, I thought about all those sea bags. He said, I have bags in my storehouse rotting because I can't give away these oranges to my classmates and everyone else. I got bags rotting. He said, man, if that boy only knew how many oranges I had in my sea bags that this farmer gave me. And I can go back to the farmer. He said, if that boy only knew, he wouldn't have to come and steal them. Listen, sometimes we try to get things in life without asking God for it and waiting on God's timing. Amen. Can I get amen from the single folks? Can I get amen from the married folks who waited on God's timing? And so listen, if you knew how much God had to give you, you would wait for him and you would ask him. Don't be ashamed. And so it's okay. But notice this. Notice that he says, let me put it back on the screen here. Uh, Again, that same verse there. He says, give us, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Notice the plural there. Give us our daily bread. And, um, and again, this is an important time to pray for others' needs. And so I might pray for, um, you know, the, the people in my family. I might pray for different people. And, and I usually like to have, I set aside, just to give you an idea, I set aside different days to pray for different people. I pray for people in my community group on one day. I pray for my immediate family on another day. I pray for um, our leadership at our church on a different day. Uh, I pray for our nation on another day. And I just kind of spread it out. So I'm going to try to pray about everything and, and I just go crazy, right? And so, again, we're talking about using a loose structure here. And then we want to wrap this up uh, into the next verse there. It says this, forgive us, forgive us of our debts as we have forgiven those who are our debtors. What is it talking about here, right? Verse 12, forgive us our debts, forgive us our debts. And, And this is a way of just saying, forgive us of our sins and make sure that we use confession as part of your prayer time, asking God, just as we started with that prayer from Dr. Martin Luther King, where he says, like, God, we, we ask for your forgiveness. God, purify us, uh, cleanse us from our sin. And so it's always good to confess your sins to God and say, God, forgive us, forgive us of our debts. Because when we sin, we owe God a debt. But thank be to God that he paid it with Jesus Christ. And then finally, he says this. This is sort of the last block. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation. And so what I, what I do here, I would just spend some time, a few minutes praying against temptation. God, give me strength. Uh, give my loved ones strength against temptation. Um, because listen, temptation is around us, all around us. And, and the enemy, the devil is all around us. And uh, man, we need to pray against that. Now, listen, we just need to be clear here. Uh, God is never the Bible makes it extremely clear. God doesn't lead anyone into temptation. He is all, always leading us into good and purity and righteousness. And, uh, but we are to pray against and to strengthen ourselves for temptation. And so pray against specific sins maybe that you're caught in, that you don't have victory over yet. Um, pray for any kind of evil, spiritual evil, demonic evil, human evil going on in our world. Pray against uh, the horrific things going on in our community. Pray against the coronavirus, right? And ask God to to flow through us. And, um, and so these are kind of the big blocks here for the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, God. Your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, our debts. And then may we forgive those. And maybe uh, most importantly in your prayer time is to be forgiving others. If you're harboring anger or resentment or hurt against someone else, you need to deal with that before the Lord. That is Um, an excellent way really to carve out our prayer time and so hopefully you've got a picture here and hopefully you're you're ready now to improve your prayer life to stay abiding again i want to ask you to make a commitment this week every day this week set aside two minutes and and use this as a general outline you can break out your bible you can put it on your lock screen and um and and then just kind of use this as launching points to pray for different things uh pray the scriptures use the psalms if if you need some help And, and and um, there are a number of ways to increase your time of prayer, not just physical time, but, but to benefit the time that you're using. Now, you may be watching this and be saying, Pastor, that's all well and good, but I don't really know where I am uh, in my spiritual life. And, and the question I want to ask everybody really is this, is uh, I, I want you to notice into a couple uh, of these verses as we look back on them. Again, verse 6, I want to show it to you on the screen. Verse 6 says this. It says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I want to just focus on those words, your father there for just a moment, your father. The question is, see, prayer is really for the children of God. Now, some people say, pastor, aren't we all children of God? Oh, we were all children of God. 
But the Bible says people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have, uh, in a sense, rebelled against God. And, and really, we have become his creation, and we're no longer children. We have said, we don't want to become your children. And so the question I want to ask you is, are you praying as a child of God, or are you praying as a creation of God? Are you praying as a child of God? Or are you praying as a creation of God? Because God won't hear the prayers of, of the unrighteous. Oh, no. He hears the prayers of his children. And so in order for God to hear your prayers, you've got to have that relationship with him. And so have you had that relationship? What does it take to start that relationship? Well, there is one prayer that God hears of the unrighteous. He hears the prayer of help. Save me. God, I need you. God, I, I want you. I want you in my life. I, I, I want to stop running from you. God, I, I, I want to follow you. And if that's you and you need to do that, I want to give you this opportunity to pray right now and God will hear you. And so right where you're at, you're, you can be on a treadmill, you can be driving, you can be sitting in your living room. You could reach out to God right now. And this is the most important prayer you'll ever pray. In fact, I'd encourage you to do that. If you've never done that before, I want to give you this moment to do that, to become a child of God and know for sure that he is your father. So you might want to just pray something like this. Just right there, wherever you're at, you can pray it silently, you can pray it out loud. But you might want to say something like this, dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm a sinner. Just go ahead and repeat that. God, I'm sorry for my sins. God, I'm sorry for my sins. And I believe in you, Jesus. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose again on the third day. I believe you rose again on the third day. And right now, I give myself to you. Right now, I give myself to you. I want you to be my father. I want you to be my father. God, help me to follow you all the days of my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, love for you to let us know in the chat there. There's a little raise your hand notification or a connection card. Uh, again, we're not trying to spam you, but as a child of God, we want to say welcome to the family. The church is not a group of perfect people. It is a family of imperfect people. And we want to say welcome to the family. We want to celebrate and cheer and clap and help you. Know that you're part of this family now. You've got brothers and sisters who are here to have your back, to encourage you, to strengthen you. Um, and so, listen, let us know. Uh, again, click that notification there. And, um, and, and for all the rest of us, for those who are navigating as Christians on our spiritual walk, abiding in prayer, this is the way. May we continue to carve out this time to pray throughout the day, amen, but to have some set-aside time where we dedicate to the Lord in prayer. And so we'll see you next week. Lord, we love you.